Welcome to Knife Making Down Under podcast, pubcast, another Thursday night with the three best people in Australia. <laughs> this time of night, we have Mert Tansu from Tansu Knives, Corin Urquhart from Gamaco and Artisan Supplies, me, Kev's Forge, and our illustrious, esteemed guest for oh, this like illustrious. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Mewburn, Matthew Mewburn from Everly Works. G'day, guys. Lovely to be on. <laughs> We're happy that you lie. That is all good. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty more to come. Fear not. I've got them stored up. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've spent a fair amount of time with you, mate. We know what's coming. <laughs> I do really like I've never been on this end. I, I do like the streaming comments across the bottom. It's very professional. <laughs> Corin, you should pull out oh, the yeah. Forge comments and fire. Corin gets, <laughs> <laughs> gets control of that. Um, <laughs> that the time that Corin came down here and we we sat up in my workshop mm. and I got I got access to the control <sighs> panel. I was like, oh man, I can bring up these comments. And we, only Corin has that access. He, he hasn't given uh, us Mert and I the privileges yet. The right full stream. So. I don't know how. Yeah. You've got to earn trust. You don't know how. No. You don't know how or you do know how. Corin can't fire me. I'm still at the office. I'm never leaving. Hmm. Is that why I just got I was a actually, call from the security <laughs> company? I was actually talking to Tim about, I don't know, maybe an hour ago, and he sent me a screen dump, a photo of him, and he's at work. And I'm like, look at this Scott what Gregan. What the hell are you doing? Corin, you're a dual citizen of Australia and New Zealand. Did you have to have sex with both, both a sheep and a kangaroo? Now, let me tell you something, young man. I've already explained this to you. Kangaroos are too fast. They're not as easy as sheep. Now, in a, and, no and, and it's very important to remember, you guys don't have to. You choose to. It's very different. All right. <laughs> yeah. Move on. The choice. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, Doug, <laughs> Fuck it out. Oh, so the caliber of <laughs> knife making down under podcast just We've, we started on the peak, didn't we? We've really started we, high. <laughs> we can either keep going strong or we'll just falter. Doug Fraser's jumped in with a you're slumming it, aren't you? And I, I feel like after that intro, maybe he's right. <laughs> um, have we had an well, intro? We didn't. I did an intro. Oh, no, the well, intro was magnificent. It was the sh the sheep, the intercourse after that that really got me. Yeah, hazed. it was the sheep intercourse conversation <laughs> afterwards that already brought us down. Buddy Gregan into the gutter. Look at him go. Oh yes, we have a little announcement there. Oh, <laughs> Corin let that on the screen for a very small amount of time. It is Corin's birthday. Yeah. We all saw it. <laughs> yeah, really? we all saw it. Mm. Do we have to do a sing song? I'd love a sing song. Yeah, fuck yeah. I think Bert should lead us on a sing song. Yeah, he will <laughs> later on tonight. One of his special. Do yeah. I get Do I get yeah. a happy birthday, Mr. President? Or or Mr. Treasurer? Yeah. Or whatever? Yeah, you'll get a happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, no, let's get to the, the Let's get in the movie. We've got to go somewhere. Okay. <laughs> yes. We've got 70 so on. So for everyone that's just... Everyone that's just started to join in, 70 is a good number. We're happy with that. 76 now. Uh, everyone that's just joining us, um, see a lot of oh, our regular names on there. Glad to see you guys back on board for yet another couple 60. of hours of putting up with us. Uh, all good. 
I don't think Corrin's 60th. He just looks 60. Yeah. <laughs> and Mert's frozen in the coolest looking face. <laughs> he's not frozen. He's just the wind birthday. changed. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an extended birthday gift there for you, Corrin. Just up to your, up to your computer screen. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. I, I'm flattered, Mert. I'm flattered. I, hey. He's putting in the, about the same amount of effort that he put in last week. He's a truly he a beautiful this, man. He failed to show up. <laughs> yeah, after telling us he was all prepared, <laughs> oh, it, was, no. it was quite bad. There, there was a language barrier, but I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that he speaks Turkish and we don't. Yeah, I think it was just, <laughs> yeah. I think it was just yeah. drunk. Oh, <laughs> fuck you, Jeff. We, we can't see him, but we can hear him. <laughs> Well, sorry, Mert. Uh, yeah, uh, it wasn't me talking then. It someone took over my microphone. All right, that's enough bullshit. <sighs> We've got Maddie. Maddie. Yeah. So for everyone that's just joined in uh, and is on the live feed, you will see that we have an extra person on deck tonight, and it's Matt Mewburn uh, from Everly Works up in Sydney. And for those who are joining us or listening in on through the podcast, um, Matt Mewburn is with us. So. We're going to uh, dive straight into the deep end with Matt Woo. and start, first of all, uh, asking some questions. First first question I want to pop up to you, mate, is... Fuck, I just figured out something new. Back. Kev, Kev, I just figured out something new. Oh. Check it out. What's Check that? that out. I got him on the Whoa. screen all big-like. He's all big-like. He's on big screen. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. All right, let's fuck Blair off just a minute. There we go. Right. Just to see the shirt I'm wrapping. Yeah, oh, that's a rad shirt. Yeah. Turn around and show people oh, the back. Yeah. No, don't do that. You'll pull your can, cord out. Oh, I can't turn around because yeah. I've got a Ron Burgundy. I'm not wearing any pants, so if I try and turn around. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait till you see the comments. Wait till you see the comments. <laughs> wait, how, many, uh, how many distorted mofos want to see a hairy ass? We've just jumped wait. up to 140 <laughs> viewers. 30, 37 viewers have just jumped in through Grinder. <laughs> you, you just put the Australia thing on my face, Gordon. What? The, the, the gummit. Oh, you. What? That's all right, man. He's frozen again anyway. Yeah, so, <laughs> I was going say. You have to put your head to the Do side, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a visual. It's go. a visual thing. It's a visual thing. I'll just podcast. sit. I'll move my chair yeah. over. Look, do you feel better now? You dumb fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, the guys don't even know what we're talking about unless they're watching live. So no. let's we'll rock and roll. Half the time, but that doesn't matter. All right. Come on. Let's I'm get. I'm gonna ask Matty. How does it? How does it feel to finally be back? At, with Everly Works open, mate. Oh, mate. Yeah, look, it's. I, I know a lot of people would think a huge extended vacation would be just the treat, but um, it couldn't have come at a worse time or a better time, really. We we'd scheduled we'd scheduled a bit of a shutdown because we were going to do some renos. Mervac are doing renos around the park at South Everly there, and everyone sort of knows about. But and so we thought, great, you know, we'll take a couple of months off. We'll get the floors redone. We'll get the electrics redone. Beautiful. And then COVID came along. And so all of a sudden I had all of this free time that I've, I'm not really used to having and I didn't have anywhere to go. Couldn't do anything with it. Couldn't travel, couldn't go. It was, I'd, I'd sort of planned, we had a trip to the States. There was a really great, um, the California Blacksmiths Association had a really great meetup that was scheduled for early this year, which got binned. Um, 
James and I were going to fly over to that. There was just a whole bunch of stuff that was planned that really revolved around not being stuck at home. So it is not only a relief to be back to work, but it's actually, it's, a, it's been very enjoyable. Um, I don't know if you guys get the same feeling, but I, there's, there's a, an immense satisfaction being able to just set everything up the way you like, get all of your tools laid out, pick them apart, you know, get them up on the racks. We've spent a ton of time building shelving and racks and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that stuff's been, like, I've loved being back, mate. It's been awesome. Yeah, awesome. Because we'll let Kyron talk about his little weekend escape to Everly Works, but he was telling me about, like, even just a simple thing, well, not a simple thing, a thing <laughs> like getting your floors redone. That's a monumental task. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, if, if the viewers, most of the viewers, I'm sure, or listeners, listeners and viewers, I'm sure most of them have either been to or seen Everly Works. And the first thing, apart from the massive power hammers that came into my mind when Corin was like, oh, they've got new concreted floors that level was like, <laughs> just your, just the steel rack. Yeah, yeah. So it all got lifted. Literally everything got moved. There's 1,500 square metres of blacksmithing, all of the stock, all of the tools. Um, the only stuff that didn't come out was the really heavy plant. So the things like the upsetting machines, the power hammers that are sitting on a slab, you know, that stuff didn't have to move because they were already on isolated slabs. But every sundry item moved and everything that would move, moved. We we probably shifted 20 tonnes on the steel rack alone. Um with, and there was the alloy steel rack as well, which probably had another eight or 10 on it. Um, and that there, all of the dies, you know, we moved, I think it was close to 30 or 40 boxes. When I say boxes, they were pallet sized crates that were made up. Um, yeah. they, they, and some of those were three and four tons a piece. And they were all just, all the dies for the Ajax machine and the Kovmak machine, which were lumped in there. Did everything did that could be lifted, Myth. The, the question on everyone's lips, though, is did, did you find the dies for the railway spikes, Matt? Oh, you'd be... You'd be <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, I don't know if I need to perpetuate this. Uh, neither, I cannot confirm nor deny that I may have There may be some uh, 5160 railway spikes that I dug up somewhere, some bridge spikes, some rare corner bridge spikes yes that's right bridge um, curve spikes yep curve, the illustrious bridge curve spike um mate i've got the, i'm not even going to talk about it we'll talk later well, for a moment for a moment though when you were talking about stuff there i thought you i thought you'd got married through this COVID disappearance of matty mewburn because you mentioned <laughs> the ups because you mentioned the upsetting machine I mean, we've all got one of them. <laughs> My wife doesn't listen to this, and if she does, I'm fucked. <laughs> all sorts. Look, sometimes it's joyous to, to run the upsetting machine for hours and hours on end, you know? So, mm. Once or twice a year. <laughs> Birthdays of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, and yet uh, here uh, I am recording here instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it was it was a it was mammoth. It was a mammoth move. It was yeah, like the logistics. I never want to do it again. Like the logistics involved in that, it, it boggles my mind. Like how, like I look at my workshop, and I, I've had a few weeks off, or you know, pro, fuck, a few weeks, nearly two months off now with 
my dodgy back and I've just been shifting stuff slowly and surely and now my back's a bit better I've been getting into moving stuff around <clears throat> not doing anything stupid but my fucking tiny little workshop causes me enough grief and that's again when I think about just how massive a task that would have been so for you guys let's know. let's just step back a bit though because we're talking about massive tasks we're talking about you know how big a job it was but we've got listeners from all over the world and they haven't got a fucking clue who Matt is right and that would be a shame. <laughs> Look him up, Matty Mewburn, good guy. But let's talk, let's get into the into the actual what Everly Works is. Like I'm sure some of our listeners might be aware, like our live guys, but the podcasters, they're not gonna have a clue. So Matty, tell us about Everly Works. Tell us about we've advertised this on Facebook as being the best workshop in Australia. Yeah, well, at least the best accessible one for sure, I, I think. Um, so what what Everly was as a precinct was that was the the core of the New South Wales Rail Network essentially. So there was they were, it was built in 1887 or it was commissioned and finished in 1887. Um, they started building steam locos. They started assembling steam locos and then they started actually building them themselves there. Um, and then when that fell out of fashion, they were building diesels on site. But basically, it's it's a it's a giant train workshop, um, and it was a much larger precinct. So they had an on-site foundry. They had the carriage works, which has become quite famous as a precinct for art and culture. Um, that's all part of the Everly compound there. But the the shop that we're occupying at the moment is phase one and two was the original blacksmith shop. So it's some of the oldest parts of the the whole precinct. Um, and what what was really great about South Everly, or, you know, the Everly the whole Everly place was, it was back in those days, it was completely integrated. You know, you didn't, you weren't waiting for parts to come from overseas. You weren't waiting on the fella down the road to finish the machining. You know, like they they cast their own raw castings on site and they dragged them up and they, they forged components to integrate with them and they took them to the machine shops and they, they were able to, with these monstrous planers and boring machines, these beautiful big English machines, they were literally breaking down tons and tons worth of steel to, to make these locos. So that was what it started out as. That that all came to a grinding halt in, in the late 80s. Um, the railway workshop shut down and it sort of languished for a bit. And then it, it came into private hands. So you guys would all be familiar, but the guys that aren't, um, Guido and his wife, partner Wendy, pardon me, uh, they took the place on and they were there for, you know, 20, 25 years. And, um, yeah, so it's been in private hands for that that period of time. And we grabbed it about five years ago. Um, and now it's it's a, it's sort of multifaceted. We started out just running blacksmithing classes because we thought, well, this place is incredible. The, you guys have been there, but you you walk in and it's just got so much history. It's steeped in it. You know, you you can smell. It just smells like a workshop. It, it Everything is in the original context that it was supposed to be in. And, you know, a lot of those tools there were made by the blacksmiths that worked there. And, and some of them might be 100 years old. Um, so you're working there, you're working in there. And it was just, it's it's too immense not to share. You know, that feeling is, is too much not to want to share with people. So the best way we thought to do that was to run classes. Um, so that, that started off, as I said, that was about five years ago, we started running the classes. And um, they were really successful, you know. People really loved it, and we, we've we've got got some really great guys on board that, are, that they just love what they're doing. They love sharing it, um, 
And off the back of that, you know, I've, I've been able to get back to the stuff that I love to do as well, which is actually making commissions, you know, doing the, doing the jobs, not just teaching them. So, yeah, the last couple of years we've gotten back into the making, doing as big a jobs as we can take on, I guess. Um, I love the big stuff. I just love the challenge of uh, looking at something and going, shit, I'm not really sure how I'm going to figure this out. But uh, that process is kind of what I really, really drives me to come in. So, yeah, that's that's a little bit about what we're doing. And, uh, you know, the blacksmith shop, like I was saying before, it's fairly well, except for the floors that just got replaced, but they were replacing a floor that wasn't original as well. Uh, just about everything's in the original context. You know, you walk in there and the machinery, it's its all old English machinery. Some of it's old American machinery, um, but it was installed through the, through the railway days. And the shop was very dynamic, yeah. even though the big hammers and stuff and the big Davy Press, big 1500 ton Davy Press, um, they're kind of the most famous members of the, the big iron monoliths that occupy Bay One, the, the big heavy forging stuff. It was pretty dynamic. There was a lot of machinery changing and, and chopped around and moved. So, you know, to kind of be on the next generation of that and, and to be able to take the shop in another direction again is, yeah, it's kind of what we're about doing. Hey, Matt, yeah. how did yeah. how did a young fella like you five years ago took over the one of the biggest blacksmithing shops in Australia, <laughs> New South Wales? How did that happen? How did you get it, I wonder that all the time. Um, yeah. So it was actually, you know what this came off the back of was a symposium down at Keith's place. Um, that's where I trace it back to because, uh, so the fellow Guido. It's all Uncle, it's all Uncle Keith's fault. It's it, bloody okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> got the of, the of course it is. And then as, as means for payback, we brought him in to teach knife making classes for a couple of years there just to really, you know, put the thumb back down. Um, yeah, so we, I was at a, a symposium. I don't know. This might have been like 2014, I think it would have been, 2014, 2015, down at Keith's place in Tamil, Keith Flutter's place. And um, Bruce and I were making – we were doing a, a wrapped and welded axe in the evening. So we'd, we'd finished the seminars for the day and, yeah, we were doing, um, doing this wrapped and welded axe and – I didn't really know who he was, but Guido was there, who was the, he was the current occupier at that time of the workshop and had been there for, like I said, he'd been there for 20 odd years. Um, and he sort of saw us doing our thing and thought, oh, you know, this young guy looks like he might be, might be good to get involved. And he approached me uh, maybe a week later after the symposium, sort of cold called and just said, hey, Matt, I, I saw you at the symposium, you know, do you want to come down and do some teaching for me at the, at the workshop? And I'd never visited the workshop. This is the really stupid thing. I'd been to the first knife show there that, that was held. I th not Sorry, not the very, very first knife show, but the, the Everly knife show back whenever it was. And even then, because I was manning a table, I didn't get into the blacksmith shop to check it out. Going, oh, shit, there's this amazing workshop next door. Amazing, amazing, amazing. But by the time I went to Sticky Beak, it had been closed up and there was not much I could do about it. So, yeah, I got this cold call from, from Guido and he said, oh, look, you know, do you want to come in and do some teaching? So we did that um, and I spent maybe, I don't know, it would have been three or four months, I guess, that we that I was hanging out with him and, and taking classes here and there and just actually playing around. It was, a, it was actually a really fun time because I was running a much smaller blacksmith shop over in uh, Alexandria so it was just around the corner. So he'd finish work at four o'clock or whatever and he'd ring me up and go, hey, mate, I've got the big furnaces on. 
I want to knock down this billet. And we were making these monster Damascus billets. Like I'm talking about 15 kilo billets, you know, they were bloody three or four hundred <laughs> long, huge bastards. And so yeah. we'd walk in there and anyone that's been to the shop seen the big oil furnace running, but you know, it is, it's very moody. When you walk in there at five o'clock at night in the winter, it's, pretty black you've got the the fire the big oil furnace is throwing all sorts of weird shadows in every which direction all the tools on the walls are casting these weird shadows so it's really like walking onto the set of a movie and um so yeah i'd just show up after work and he'd stay back after work and we just dick around just making all this weird stuff and wonderful stuff i think at the time we were trying to make a massive billet so that he could machine a a block plane or something out of it i can't, can't quite remember what it was for but that was that was the start of it. Um, so yeah, we I started working with him and we got a relationship and um, yeah, we were just having fun, just having a really fun. Like Corin and I were on the weekend, just dicking around blacksmithing the way that we all do. Um, and yeah, so then he sort of said to me one day about six months later, he said, "Look, you know, we're we're leaving town. We've we've had it with Sydney, had it with blacksmithing. Shit, you know, what do you think? Do you want to go for this lease?" And I, on, you would think that that would be a decision that you just go, oh, fuck yeah, of course I will. But I was pretty scared about it. I, I thought, you know, it's a big lease. There's a lot of, lot of, it's a lot of rent to pay compared to what I was paying before. You know, you get nervous about whether you can make it work or whether it's, you know, if, are you going to see <clears throat> help around doing it? Um, and then I, I, so I just kind of went home and I went, you know what, I don't have all that much to lose and you'll never get offered a place like that second time, you know? So just jumped on it. So, uh, we, I was really lucky to get in with some, with two other good guys. Uh, one of them was actually his, his daughter, Kat, and uh, her, her partner at the time, Louis. Um, and they're both still friends of mine. I you know, love them both. Uh, so we started the business together. Um, and yeah, those early days, though, I've blocked it out, to be honest. It was a lot like what we just went through. When we first moved in, it, just, it had been set up for manufacturing and doing a lot of different stuff in, in steel not so much the blacksmithing focus that we wanted. So the first six months were just, were setting up, you know, moving dies, rearranging everything, trying to organize it in a more ergonomic way. And yeah, so that was the first six months of being in there. And then after that, it's sort of the, 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 the classes have taken off and been really successful and bloody hell, it's a pleasure to go to work. <laughs> yeah. And as you were saying though, look, when you say, oh yeah, the first six months were moving dies and stuff around, the, the most people in a home workshop go, oh, yeah, moving a few dies around, no worries. If you've been to Everly and you understand, like, just the the dies running down one of those walls. There's a wall between, of dies. Like, yeah. The rack of dies, the rack of tongs, the, the, the squaring dies that you guys are using when Corin was there, and we'll let him talk about that. The, what do they weigh, like 40, 50 kilos for the die itself? Uh, the the big agent. So you spent six yeah. months moving around shit tons of fucking weight. <laughs> in, yeah, it's not grabbing a rack of tongs and walking around the corner. No, like mate, that no. scope. I, it's hard for. I, well, it's, I I only know because I've been there a few times. But when the when people hear you going, oh, I spent six months moving dies around. They're like, what? Well, you just keep going, fucking left and right, putting them up, picking them up, putting them down. Yeah. yeah uh, no. Monumental task everything's on a fucking massive scale <clears throat> so i didn't realize at the time though when you're just stepping back in history there with that everly 
um, knife show that we had, the first of the Sydney yeah. knife shows. Ed. I remember you there. You I, were, recall, you were... I recall you being on that corner <sighs> or near that corner booth and you were selling what was it, belts and some axes and a few other little bits and pieces. Oh, mate, I had all sorts of shit on that table. <laughs> yeah, and then my sister came past me because she was up there loitering with intent and all the rest of it. Um, <clears throat> and she's come over and she goes, oh, this, the guy over there selling the axes, really interesting guy. I think she fucking talked everyone's ears off, though. <laughs> so her, she was going around sort of scoping all these people um, yeah. and then coming back. And, you know, I actually didn't realise until obviously just now that you didn't actually have – you weren't involved in Everly then. No, no shit, no. Yeah, that that's, was... that's fucking – like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So at that time, when that first knife show happened, I was um, I was in a tiny workshop about the size of a two-car <laughs> garage out in Gladesville. And um, it, they were hard years. Like I, I, I've, you were running I've another business of, at that time as well. Like that was when, yeah. before you went full time. I was, yeah, I was in electronics then. Um, and it was look in hindsight. We've all got great hindsight. Um, I probably wasn't. I wasn't ready to put a table together for a knife show at that point. But I was like everything I've done, I just went, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> oh, what can, what can happen? You know, if I, if I don't know, it might have been two or 300 bucks on the table and I thought, well, and that's why it was furnished with other weird stuff because I've I'd been doing leather work for years before that and I loved it and I thought, well, it's a bit complimentary, hopefully, and I did sell a couple of belts and stuff. Um, yeah. It's, it's complimentary and my knives weren't very good, so I needed something else to lift the quality of the table. <laughs> so let's go back Let's go back even further than Everly and talk about, you know, basically where you grew up and how you got interested in, in knives and knife making. And, and from that, well, what came first, the blacksmith or the knife? Yeah. Um, it was really utilitarian. I grew up on a farm out in the southwest slopes out near, um, what would be the nearest town? Kara maybe, or Ora was the, oh, yeah. the town I went to school in, but no one knows where that is. Borua? No. Borua. Yeah, I don't fucking Borua. Borua's great. Borua. Good town. Yeah. Only known awesome. as Borua. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's where I went to school, and I, I was on a farm maybe 25 k's or so from from there. Um, so all of all of my really earliest memories were metalwork-wise, it was – so the knives that we used were the, – the knives we used around the farm. So we used to kill a lot of our own – we, we had sheep predominantly, so we'd, we'd butcher sheep every couple of months. Um, and every now and then we'd, we'd have a bullock from, like my grandpa had an adjacent farm and he used to have some, he'd have some uh, beef on there. So that, they were the two kind of things that we ate every day. And to this day, I still don't really enjoy lamb. I had lamb, I reckon, every day for the first 10 years of my life. And I can't, I, I really struggle to get lamb in me now. Um, and unlike the guys from New Zealand who struggle to get inland, but that's <laughs> different. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Gregan, but you know you had that coming, son. Don't you started. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Yeah, he opened the jar of basso. That's what he opened. <laughs> well, it's a heartache. Um, yeah, so that's where it started off. It was, you know, we always had. We had a knife in the car all the time. We had we had knives around. Like I, I've got a real, and I know that you three will also mirror this resentment. But the idea that a knife in any way would be scary is crazy to me. Because as a kid, they were everywhere, and they were, you know, they were accessible. And would you fancy it? Nothing stupid ever happened. You know, like they were tools, and they were to be respected. And um, that was kind of the ethos that 
I grew up with. So I've, I've kind of never even thought that much about knives in my early days because they were just so, that was such a utility. They were always around. Um, getting into metalwork, again, I started pretty early. Like some, some of my early, earliest memories were building sheds and stuff like that on the property. And, um, but actual blacksmithing probably didn't come until I was in high school maybe. We did, we did some blacksmithing in our D&T class, which I think most people my age didn't do. But, um, yeah, that was, that was really where I had my first taste. And I never would have considered it as a profession at that point. And I've, I think even now I still wonder how I got here. But I reckon, you know, like sitting there in a classroom doing a little bit of heat treatment, a little bit of forging on a... Um, on a center punch, it never occurred to me that blacksmithing was still something that you could pursue as a career. And I wish to God that I'd had more information about how how vast and diverse and broad this this community is with all the different ways you can you can go. You know, it's, even within the subset of knife making, the subset of blacksmithing that is knife making. Um, there's so many different ways that you controversial. Can <laughs> I'm sure Beamish is in there somewhere. So I <laughs> haven't <laughs> seen his name pop up yet. But it's bound to. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just I just wish earlier that I had have known because, like I said, I, I straight into this career of electronics accidentally, and you know all this other stuff has happened in between. And knowing now what I know and and loving the thing that I do as much as I do, I just wish that I'd been exposed to it earlier. Um, yeah. How about you guys? Where we I know a little bit about Corin's knife yeah, I wouldn't worry but... too much too much about us. We're interviewing you. You'll have to go back and listen to the oh, episodes. Right. Nobody wants to hear about us. We talk about us it's... every week. That's funny though when you talk Matt, about what are you drinking, by the way? Oh, oh, this is a this Highland is Park twelve year old, Twelve year old. I think this one was yeah. given to me by Pete Hill, another great touring blacksmith. Um yeah, the twelve year old. I'm nice. drinking paint stripper. Pete Hill, <laughs> Pete Hill, we took him bushwalking. I lit a fire with rubbing sticks together. And he loved it immensely. He and his family had a great time up there. We so sh- did I, actually. We showed, him, we showed him the sights, didn't we? That was good. It, it's funny, mate. I was listening, having a little smile, little internal laugh when you were saying about, you know, you know, we're used to knives. What, what could possibly go wrong with knives? Why are they banned? And I just went flashback to one of my many coastal trips when I was, well, Old enough to have a license, probably not old enough to have a license, but I did. And my mates and I used to get down the coast and we used to play this game where you'd, you'd be barefoot and you'd be drinking and you'd, you'd throw the knife down towards the person's foot and you'd have to move your foot to where the knife landed. So you'd either make the person do the splits or make the person bring their feet right in. That's probably why knives are banned these days. Probably. <laughs> it's it's probably got something to do with it. For all. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bulls drink, drinking, like, throbbing knives, what can go wrong? So, oh, nothing. Nothing went wrong except for a pulled groiny every now and then when you had to do a crazy splits manoeuvre. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, about, tell me about knives and blacksmithing. Which one was it, though, that actually came first? Were you knife-making there at Gladesville or blacksmithing? Uh, that was, look, it was knife making. I'll have to put my hand up. Um, so, I, how, so how did you get into knife making? Let's do this. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Because and, Ooh, we're, and listening. Really, we're listening. I really wish I had the presence of mind to have bought it home because today while I was I was fishing around for my tax file number, which is very exciting news, and I Don't found you know it offhand. 
I found a certificate that I got from Keith Flutter in 2013 um, because I'd done a, I did a two-day knife making class with Keith down at his place in Tamor. And that was the first proper thing that I'd done. Like I, I dicked around like everybody before that, just making messes and doing stupid stuff. But that was the first time that I'd probably really put a focus on making something that was half handsome. Um, did so the, that was. Did this say congratulations? You survived two days with Keith. <laughs> you did get nagged to death. I think. Uh, I think I met you that. I think I met you that weekend. I think I came up. Keith said, "I'll oh, come up and meet this bloke." And you I think did. I, yeah, I did. Keith was running no, out of gas. Keith ran out of gas. Yeah, he would have said, "Bring up some gas, and you can meet this scrawny piece of shit that's up here to want to call You did. No, I remember. You definitely did. Um, so yeah, that was that was the first real, real genuine piece of creative blacksmithing I did and it was a it was knife um I did you know what I've got to admit something else that embarrasses me to no end on that weekend I so how many times have I know you guys <laughs> have all thought classes before how many times have you had someone come in and go oh fuck you know I've got this really lovely knife do you mind like while I'm here can we put an edge on it and it's a piece of packet packy mascus how many times has that happened yeah it does every it does. time yeah or not yeah. every time so I'd been gifted a piece of Pachymascus um, <laughs> in the form of a Bowie knife. <laughs> and it, I'd had it for a while and it, uh, I didn't understand enough. I, I was only vaguely acquainted with the idea of what carbon steels were about and what hardness and, and edge retention were all about. So I had this thing and it was a piece of shit, would you believe? And I took it to Keith's place thinking, oh, this is a, this is a no-brainer. I've got this knife <clears throat> that is dull. I'll take it to this bloke's place and we'll make a knife and then maybe you'll put an edge back on this because I can't seem to get one that'll hold up. And he was very, very cordial about it, considering what I know now and how much that would have just gotten right under his skin and burrowed up towards his brain. (laughs) He very politely declined. He just said, look, I... I'm familiar with this style of knife and it's made in Pakistan. It was quite cheap, wasn't it? And I agreed with him that it probably was. I, I conceded it was a gift, but I probably knew that because of the group of friends that had given it to me, it probably wasn't of the highest echelon of knife making. And he politely declined to help me sharpen it. And then from then on, I was introduced to the world of steel's not just steel. <laughs> Damascus is not just Damascus. <laughs> And from that day on, that explains why Unky Keith walks around muttering under his breath so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, I've done a few things to make Keith mutter under his breath, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) We all do. (laughs) Keith, he doesn't just mutter under his breath. He tells me lots of things. (laughs) What was the first first knife or what knife did you make at Keith's? What style? It was a, like a drop point hunter. It was very in the theme of the knives he was making at the time then. I know you guys all know Keith stylistically, you know, his point comes down quite a bit. But it's a nice little sort of five or six inch blade. I've got a beautiful bit of miscellaneous eucalyptus handle. I don't know what gum it is. It's a red color, but I wouldn't hazard to call it red gum. Um, it's Jarrah, mate. Yeah, so yeah it's Jarrah. They're all, all the red Jarrah, ones. Good. Yeah. All the red ones are Jarrah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keith would call it Bina Tree. Bina. So Bina Tree. Yeah. Bina. <laughs> was yeah. I, um, 
Yeah, it was so good. It was so fun because we, as I said, we'd gone in and we'd, we'd forged out a blade, we'd filed in a bolster and done, you know, did a, it was a pretty in-depth and it was a really nice time to spend some time with Keith kind of one-on-one. Um, and we've been friends ever since, really. I mean, it was probably another 12 months before I got out of my, I was still working again in electronics then. It was probably another 12 months before I got out of it. But that was one of the big stepping stones for me was, yeah, doing a class like that and getting some confidence. And I think I'm not getting on my soapbox here with classes. And as I said, all, I know all of you guys have, have run classes as well, but I firmly believe when I say this, not just for the gains that I might get as someone who does run classes, but it cuts so much time off your learning experience. Like if you want to get somewhere yeah. in this trade or in any place, going to someone that knows what they're doing and, and, you know, taking some of their time and having a, a coordinated class that has structure is so yeah. much more beneficial than just dicking around for years and years and bro, possibly it's, never it's getting all, anywhere. It's all free on YouTube, bro. It's all free on YouTube, bro. It, it, totally, mate. And yeah. we've all been to the University of YouTube. Somebody wrote, I've been doing it's, the it's doing funny. the guild profiles and somebody wrote, I, I want to join the guild because I want to be around people that actually know what they're doing and not people that uh, are yeah. filming their fifth knife, you know? So, yep. yeah. Yep. And it's funny, Matt, because I'm kind of like you with that regard because we're on, we're on here weekly. You're our guest tonight, but we're on here weekly and we talk about classes and I run classes and I've run classes for a long time mm. and I've seen people come in and do a class that have touched on knife making they come and do a class and they, I teach what I know. I teach what I do. I don't shortcut it. And they walk no. away at the end of it with a new sort of view on it. But by fuck, I feel like a Kirby vacuum fucking salesman when I'm saying <laughs> do a class. Yeah. But it's the other side is, and I'm sure everyone's probably seen this in, in the comments that I post up on the various Facebook groups and whatnot as well. Is like when people say, you know, oh, I'm in, well, I want to do make knives or whatever. And people say, do a class, and you see a, a list of people come up. But it's like, first question I ask, where are you? Yeah. And they go, oh, I'm in Sydney. And I go, Everly Works. Where are you? Oh, I'm in Brisbane. Can't see Paul Aristan. Where yeah. are you? Near Canberra? Fuck, come see me. Yay. But, you know, we. it's funny. There's enough quality, and I'm, and I'm going to stress that term too, quality teachers or teaching places Mm. To, to share it around like I'm I'm busy man I'm booked out now I had a few weeks where I had to cancel courses because of my back mm. but I'm I'm booked as far as I need to be until February at this stage and it's like <laughs> there's no fucking slowing down no no you know Kevin, it's funny you said about the quality and when I when I see those comments when I see those posts about people looking for classes I always tell them where are you and the second question is if you want to take a class from someone, look at their work. Mm. Yes. Because that's normally, I, I, yeah, that's normally, that's a good thing is because that's normally something that when we've had the shows and this year has been a real fuck up because we haven't had shows. And yeah. when we're at shows, the really cool thing, especially in the knife making community is I've had people approach me and go, oh, I hear you do courses. And I'm like, yeah, I do courses. And they're like, well, what do you teach? I go, look at my table. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they go, well, this is the style of knives that I prefer to make. This is probably the direction I'm going to teach. And then, you know, the amount of times, Matt, you've been just around the corner and I go, you know, if you want to go and do 
I, I definitely don't fucking try and promote knife making classes at your shop. But uh, <laughs> just just kidding. <laughs> but I say if you want to do blacksmithing, go around and do it with Wayne Saunders or Matt. Or if you want to make axes or something, Matt or Everly work, uh, Matt or Mother Mountain or all that. And as Mert said, the one thing I say to him is, have a look at the guy's table. And if you like what's on the table, do a class with that person because that's yeah. probably what teach up. Yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. And it's what they love doing as well. So, you know, if you if you ask somebody oh, to make some exotic thing, they're probably not going to be as passionate about it. But it's one of the things, like you said, I always ask what, what people want to learn and what sort of outcomes they want to get because there's you know Mert you're for my eyes a lot of the knives you make are really high-end kitchen knives that's your background you know a lot of the stuff you make is that way inclined whereas Kev you occupy a different place where you a lot of your knives are are those kind of bushcraft and and outdoor knives. The traditional the traditional style hunter knives hidden tang stuff and that influences the the kitchen knives but Oh, t- look, totally do. And I, I've, look, mate, I've... Uh, someone, Bo Smith, just put up a comment uh, for on this topic, who would you recommend WA? Mm. Bruce Barnett. Yep. Yeah, hands down. Yep. With, without go. a doubt. Bruce Barnett, simple. Go do a course with Bruce. Yep. Yeah. He's a journeyman smith. He's a legend. <laughs> Fucking awesome workshop. Yep. Um, yeah, just do it with him. Do a Damascus yeah. knife, mate, gorse. Do a Damascus well. slip joint. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You know what, guys? We should, we should, all three of us, we should go do like a folding knife course at Bruce and bugger the fuck out of it. Oh, how many of you? Four. Sorry, yeah. four. Four, four, yeah. four. Yeah, four. That's what I thought you said. I was right? like, yeah, I was like yeah, hey, yeah. you me, Matt, you it's me, Kevin, I realized, let's just take court as well. <laughs> Right answer. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the yeah, yeah. Fuck. no Bruce Bruce Barnett would be definitely the go over there. But Maddie, um, yeah, your workshop there is uh, is something special, and really you're not into the knives anymore per se. That's normally nowadays you're into this big forging sort of stuff. I, I guess is fair to say. Is that fair to say, or am I just pissing up the wrong tree? No, look, uh, yes and no. So I still really like making knives, but I really only would do it for myself at this stage. You know, we get I get a lot of emails. And so most of the emails that that I get about knife making, if they're looking for a class, we do as we just discussed. Um, but if they're looking for someone to make a knife, that's a harder decision. And I, I, I do yeah. pawn out every decision that I like. If, uh, As I said, if, if somebody came to me looking for a kitchen knife, there's a handful of guys I would send them to, or if someone came looking for a, a certain type of knife, I just think in my brain, who makes those knives the best? Because I'm not making knives for sale at all. Um, I'm not that good at it. And this this sort of touches back to the, the classes and the, the standard, I guess, that I would like to be setting in the shop that I run, but I don't take knife making classes because I don't feel like I'm of a level that I should be showing people how to make knives. I, I can run through a knife better than 95% of the population because most of them have never touched, you know, a forge or a hammer or a linisher in their lives. But, um, you know, the distance between where I feel like in my own confidence as a knife maker and where I would want to be if I was teaching that skill, uh, that's why I don't take the knife making classes at Everly. Um, Blacksmithing is another matter. That's what we do the most of. We do, uh, you know, all about, at the moment, most of our commissions are architectural. So we're doing a lot of kind of balustrading um, 
We've got a set of gates on the go at the moment. We're about to start a spiral staircase for a job. That's the kind of thing that we're, we're getting into now. And that's the sort of thing that I really want to be into. I love that larger scale stuff. Um, but, you know, oh, here we go. We've got Instagram happening in the background yeah. here. <clears throat> yeah, here um, we go. Is that keep talking. Instagram. Look at that. Yeah, so that's kind of my ethos with the teaching, but also with the stuff that we're, we're wanting to do project-wise. Um, so there's James laying down in a, in a boiler that we're riveting for a friend of ours, Rob, down at Southern Steam Services. I think Daryl Monster, some will know him as. Um, Daryl Milton was down there that weekend with us. James and I and, and Daryl were, were helping Rob out. Piers is in the middle there. He's on a hiatus at the moment. He's gone over to um, – he's moved into Alice Springs right before some of the dope. But um, yeah. he, he's, a, he's, he's a great blacksmith and a, great, a really great teacher. Um, they, they both are. Um, but, yeah, that, what you see, Piers is sort of on the big hammer at the moment there. I think he's pulling out some crowbars. We do a lot of industrial forging as well. So a lot of these pieces <clears throat> were, were jobs that we'd built up over that break period. I didn't we're trying to, I'd forgotten how shit that floor was around the seven. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. That's that's a bit deceptive. That's after the we'd ripped up the hot mix, and that was just the dirt around the floor oh, yeah. between the floors. So it wasn't it wasn't that shit. Yeah, you're right. Mm. So I'm the same as you in that regard with the courses, man. Because I quite often get people go, "Oh, can you do blacksmithing?" And I'm like, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> even if I even if I came and did a course with you to learn how to make a hammer and a pair of tongs, I still wouldn't teach it because it's not what I do. I'm a knife maker. Oh, that's and, a and big I'm, stretch. I'm not, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, I make knives. <laughs> <laughs> I make things that sometimes can get sharp, sharper than packing maskers at the very least. Well, sometimes you can throw people, sharp enough to throw people's feet, hey? But no, I, I, I'm honest with that, though. I get people saying, oh, can I do a blacksmith course with you? And I'm like... Go to Sydney. <laughs> Go to Sydney and do it with the guy that does it. Yeah. Be, be in the me, workshop can you make me a hunting that is. Knife? People ask me, "Can you make me a hunting knife?" I'm like, uh, "This is this is my friend who makes hunting knives. Go see. <laughs> go talk to him." I yeah. never hunted. Is, I never <laughs> held a fucking hunting knife. Go this see is this a two hundred. <laughs> no, it's like this is a two hundred and sixty long hunting knife. <laughs> it looks very similar to a high performance chef. But it'll hunt. <laughs> but if you take it hunting, it's a hunting knife. It's a hunting knife. Yeah, that's it. Uh, all right, guys. Just uh, we're coming up for a quick word from our sponsor. So uh, that Ooh. means it's um just a minute. Guess what time it is. Guess what time it is. Just let me just figure out how Timmy. to do this. It's Timmy time. Here we go. Timmy time. Knife maker. Jimmy, what's going on? Gamaco Artisan Supplies. Knife Making Down Under Podcast. Bastards! <laughs> Can you hear me? Hello? Anybody home? <laughs> oh, Jesus. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck was that? How did 
did you do How that? Did Timmy, you got Kennedy. all it's the Timmy time. time, not Henning time. Oh, Jesus. Timmy, oh. not Henny. Oh. I can do anything, mate. I can hijack your whole team. Get the sun behind. There we go. That's ridiculous, Henning. Matt, you skinny bastard. Lucky you're good looking, Henning. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, day, everybody. What are you yeah. laughing about, Timmy, you bastard? That's Timmy. Mert's there. That's too many people. It's too hard. Well, there you, you go. You can hear me, okay? Unfortunately, yes, we can. Yeah. yeah. We can hear you, but shut up for a minute. That, that was pretty people. funny. You should have seen your face. You're like, where are you? Where are they? Where are you, bastards? <laughs> Tim. Timmy. Okay, Tim, yes. I'm going to shut up. Do your thing. Ah, thank you, Henning. Thank He's you. still at work. Has everyone got that He's working. Look at you. At work. Work. We just get on with it. We don't have all day. Ah, uh, but we do. Look, we've got a Zito leaf blower behind me. We've got everything we need. What have we got today? What have we got today? Oh, jeez. Can, can you spill the milk over your lips and down a little bit? Not at work. Uh, no. I've got to wear this to work tomorrow. Jeez, I've got to wear this to work tomorrow. <laughs> You're not going home, are you? Yeah. Mert, why, he, oh. uh, why can't we see Mert? Why can't we see Mert? You can see Mert. He's South African Don't worry band. about Mert anyway. He normally just doesn't come because he forgets. <laughs> what do we have? <laughs> what do we have? We have Six a week's eight. wait. Well, we have a week's wait on shipping. So don't ring us up and say, where's your order? Because there's fucking like three trays of orders that have to go before yours. Sorry, but it's just the way it is at the moment. <laughs> Sheets well, of paper, guys. Sheets of paper. From from my perspective, I, I took a trip up to Sydney to pick up some steel on Monday this week or Tuesday or Wednesday, whichever day it was. Thanks for dropping in, dickhead. Oh, well, you're too far out. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's because you just got the hammer in your fucking. But um, <laughs> now these these the Gamaco guys are like honestly they're fucking bullshit crazy. I looked at their pick and pack um, racks and I was just blown away. There was what what was there Timmy three ton of G10. Yeah, we just got in three ton of G10. No, we just got in one shipment of three ton just after we got a shipment of one and a half ton. So, yeah, so we got four and a half ton of fucking G10. Plenty of G10 available. Oh, fucking G10. Did you do anything with them scales? G10. We got G10 Damascus. It's like, oh, it's I rad. Haven't, I haven't done it yet because it was only two days ago. Yeah, but that, that's true too. But you're just slow, slacker. Wait oh, up, yeah. Timmy's run off. Timmy's run <laughs> off. He wants to show us his. I'm back, bitches. Okay. Bitches? Look at this shit. Can you can't even see shit. it? Wet it. Spit on it. Nah. Put some milk on it. Lick it, Spray lick some it. milk on it. Oh, beautiful. It. Now go. Lick look it. at the G10 Damascus. Lotion on its skin. Lotion on its skin. Get it closer, Timmy. Get it. I'll put you on. I'll put you on big screen. Wait up. Surely I can do something oh, like that. Yeah, let's just get yeah, Timmy. Just on, get Timmy no. on big screen. There we go. Spile. Oh, oh no. look at that. Wicked. G10 Damascus. Hold on, there's more, there's more. Just get some more milk. It's just out. like heading steel, but slightly better. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously. It's had... Oh, nice. It's got less floor. It's got it's less easier to get it better than the steel. Thin, mate. You don't the weight is 
Yeah. There we go. That's oh, pretty nice. Oh, lotion on a skin. That's, oh, yeah. That's, that's nice hot. One. That's hot. Yeah, that's shit hot. Oh, yeah. Black and white. It's not on the website yet, but uh, I yeah. took photos of it this morning. Be. You've been there all afternoon up to 9 o'clock at night and you haven't got it on the website. What the fuck are you doing there? It's not booked in yet. None of that G10's actually booked in yet because MGL hasn't given us a freight quote, so we can't actually price it, but that's besides the point. Okay. So there's all sorts of things Anyway, so anyway, the heaps of G10. You just can't buy it. Anyway, sucks to be used. All right. That's right. <laughs> like smog sitting on your mountain of G10. Yeah, that's it. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you can't have it. It's ours. Oh, dear. All right. What else is news, Timmy? Fuck, I missed you. What else is new? Jesus, all sorts of new things. We've got some new kilns. Uh, they're the PMT range. They're for industrial use. But if you want to do axes or hammers or things like that, they're fantastic. Sorry, guys. It's me dickhead son a, calling for me birthday. I better take it. Wait a minute. You bought them the same day. G'day, g'day, mate. Um, you're live on uh, you're live broadcasting around the world. How are you? Uh, zero. Hey Professional yeah. uh, zero. Do you want me to call back? Uh, well, do you want to be live broadcasting all around the world? That's my question to you, son. Uh, no. I can't. Hi, son. Oh, I'll no. Call me back later. Uh, that's okay. cool. See you, mate. Right, bye. There we go. <laughs> Love him. <laughs> you ruined my bloody joke, mate. What? Because it's your fucking birthday. Ah, there well, you go. He was talking about the PMT kilns. I'm not saying that they get angry with you once a month. Yeah, well, of course they do. <laughs> Choice. <laughs> Not <laughs> Also got a KM45. There's only one left, but uh. Oh, that's the big kiln. That's the big, big long one. It's 45 inches long. So if you want to do some swords or anything. What else? Got a heap of wood from KNG. Almost as long as Mercedes Ben. Hey Tim, who's this fucker? You can't even click the link up the top, Gleno. He wants his grinder. And you're probably going to get it pretty soon because we've just got a shipment of grinders in, and that's probably not true, actually. There's a lot of people waiting for grinders. Anyway. There's a lot of people waiting. Just, is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but if it makes you feel any better, we just got the we just got July's orders out, so we're getting better. Anyway, <clears throat> happy days. How good are we? Oh, fuck. Jesus. <laughs> All right. What else? Where are we at? All right. Nothing? Go home now. Got to go home? Go home. Yeah. Right, eh? Yeah, I'm going home. All, All right. right. So, so, uh, stay, stay there. Stay there, Henning. We'll, we'll, we'll have you on in a little while. Just wait there. i just got to, got to give him his outro. Knife maker. Jimmy, what's going on? Gamaco Artisan Supplies. Knife Making Down Under podcast. And he's always having such a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks. Damn. That bearded bastard's still here. I can lose him if you want. Just say the word. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, well, Matty. What's been happening, York? Oh, yeah, keep going. Heading, it's, good. it's good to see you again, mate. I was just mate. about to switch over to our impromptu guest over here. What's been happening yeah, over your way? Give us, you, give us a report. What's going on down here? Oh, yeah. nothing. Same shit, just different day. It's just... Uh, 
Yeah, Mum has kicked off, so it's better. We got some rain this morning, and uh, yeah, the guys are getting back together, and we can have a couple of meetings for the knife guys. So it's it's really the social part of the knife making is getting better again. Have you got the plague yet? Nah, mate, I haven't had it. I haven't had it. But I don't so believe in it. Has. I think it's a fake. Oh. I think yeah, the plague is too smart not to fuck with Kahanning. <laughs> <laughs> the plague is like, yeah. I'm not going to fuck with bearded motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> how are the restrictions, bro? How are the restrictions? Um, yeah, the, we've, we've gone down to our lowest level. It's level one at the moment. So the restrictions are pretty much lifted. Um, we've still got to wear masks when we go outside and the kids' schooling is still screwed up. We've got a you know, my kids go, I've got to go to pick up and drop off kids three times a day. So it really ruins my work day. But other than that, yeah, that's, um, a, that's a fair big distraction. Can, yeah, we can buy a bit of booze at the moment. So that helps. Makes, it's good that you wear a mask, easier. you know, like for, for the sake of the public that you have to put a mask, it's good. They don't have to look at you. Seems <laughs> 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 the ugliest fucker of the lot. <laughs> Did you notice though that Matt went off and turned his off screen and turned his light on to give you a better look at him? I did. I think there's yeah, something yeah. going on here. There's there's a there's a, a, a remnants of a loving relationship happening, I believe. Oh, look, no, you know, what happens at Blake you know, stays at Blake. <laughs> I thought that too, but nine months later, yeah. anyway. <laughs> the first time I met Matt was at, um, at Blake last year, and for like half an hour of, of meeting him, I thought he was a crack in the wall, skinny bastard. And then you guys brought him over and said, hey, this is Matt. And I was like, fuck me, this is a human being. Well, not everyone can look like a dumpling. Like a fucking... <laughs> I think his dad made him on a Friday morning before work. Like, tell your dad you can drive in a nail with one shot, but at least sand the bastard when you're done, eh? Just give it a bit of a, a sand and finish the job, man. Jeez. Look, mate, there's better one end than the other. I've always thought that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goes, he goes to the kids' department and he buys his clothes there and he's like, I'm looking for skinny jeans and they're like, Shit, sir, sorry, we don't know if we can help you. And then I'd, he buys a I'd, pair of jeans second to sailor and gets two pairs, mate. <laughs> I'd stand up and show you these stovepipes, but as I stated earlier, you missed out, pants I'm not wearing pants. That shit that shit has to stay at Blade Show too, even though we're not at Blade Show. <laughs> Man, I'm fucking looking can't forward to my that. disappointment. We haven't had a we haven't had a show since Perth, and um, yeah. we haven't had a meet yeah. since Perth, and it's just getting to me. It's getting to me in the head. We've got to go and do stuff. Yeah. You know? Oh, same, same, same. That social yeah. that social aspect that Henning was just talking about. That social aspect, the meetups, the seeing face to face other people mm. is just kind of madness. And you know, I was saying before Henning, like where I, the the little territory I'm in, you'd hardly know that there was anything. You know, it's small amount of restrictions yeah. imposed on numbers inside of buildings but not much else but then you got the guys like dom binkett down in melbourne and the other guys in melbourne victoria's closed down they're on mm. savage restrictions 
help doesn't help the Mexicans, but <laughs> <laughs> no, not really, not really. No. It's, it's, for Australia, it's very bizarre to have border closures. So it's hmm. well, the last time it happened oh, was yeah, the what, Spanish what flu. The we sort of organized like impromptu get-togethers. Guys would just say, "Hey, if you're around, come to my shop on Saturday. We're going to be hammering some steel and grinding and just talking some shit." Because um, the moment you start advertising it, you, you never know. The cops might rock up and say, "Hey, yeah, um, yeah, what are you guys doing?" So a lot of the stuff was just done impromptu. But we've got our first show now in the first week of December. Um, we've got the Brooklyn show. And it's, it's going to be good just to see everybody. Yeah, yeah that's bloody like. grouse. I think it's one of those things too with you know knife making and blacksmithing. They they can be quite solitary activities a lot of the time. So you you know you particularly with knife making, you spend a lot of time at the grinder. You kind of got your hearing protection on, and you zoned into a podcast, or you're doing whatever you're doing. But it's I think a lot of the guys that are into that kind of thing they really do miss the shows because that might be their their outlet. Other to, otherwise, the rest of the time, they're sort of pretty solitary in their own sheds by themselves. And it's, um, yeah, I think that's what's affecting a lot of people at the moment in our community. Yeah. And, and given the number of shows that we have, given the number of shows that we had planned in Australia, that's something that we're, uh, someone like myself that's full-time, always working for that between classes. It's making noise yeah. for the next show. Yeah. So that's your focus. Beauty, next show. Just got to get to the next show. Hmm. And Mert, yep. Mert and I know about you never slow down. You know, you've got enough stock, but you keep pushing until the day before the show or the night before the show. Hmm. And there's that drive. And then the release for that is you get to go and have some drinks with your mates. Yeah. Um, you know, see a whole lot of people that are interested in knives. Maybe make a little bit of money out of the whole thing if you're lucky. Yeah. But the whole big thing for me with shows has always been you know, my goal of the show is make my money back, catch up with all my mates. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah, That's yeah. Well, the best thing it's you can a social hope for. social gathering mm. that you can make extra money for it, and you get to see your friends. That's that's what I'm really missing. Like the last time in Perth, I was kind of down because I was thinking, oh, I only sold this much. I wish I did more. But man, I wish I cherished the time, and I wish that we were. I. I wish I could appreciate the time that we were having because it was a fucking great time. We mm. were having dinners and I we were bullshitting. I was drunk and... a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we all were. I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad you remember that. I'm glad you remember we that. We went to that whiskey. But, we went to that whiskey bar. But, Corin, remember, the best thing about the Perth show is the show was held at the hotel that we were staying at. So we had like a sm almost like a small <laughs> blade feeling like yeah you were you were in the city it was yeah. awesome yeah yeah well i've i've been down as Definitely. you know and i put it on facebook it was pretty funny actually um i was i was pretty uh pretty down last week it just you know a few things were getting to me maddie mewburn come through and he said mate you look fucked come down to my workshop on the weekend let's rock and roll do some blacksmithing and get back into it <laughs> so i came down and you know i wasn't really in the mood but i went down there and i got into it and I had a fucking great day. And then the other day, like, uh, I just thought, I'd better say thanks, you know. So I put a post up about how I was down a bit and then went to Matt's shop and I felt heaps better after it. And just thanks to all the boys that were there. Just that was, I, I didn't think I was, um, 
I didn't think I was really having a whinge or anything. Um, but then I got this uh, this comment. Uh, actually, it was a, a really um, interesting post for a whole bunch of reasons because it kind of went viral on the group. But I just like this response. And I'm just going to do a shout out here to David Knee, who says, Oh, for oh, yeah. fuck's sake, it's starting to sound like a woman's club. I'm going <laughs> to, woman's club in here. Suck it up. Life sucks. You don't have it bad. There are babbled with cancer dying every day. There are kids sold to drug dealers as prostitutes at the age of eight and hang themselves at 12. So shut the fuck up and stop crying like a bitch. Fucking weak as men nowadays. Stop trying to get sympathy on Facebook and you make me sick. And if this is how it's getting on here and you don't like me, what I say, then kick Van, then kick me off, but just quit your crying, you spoiled little bitch. That's David Knee. So oh, mate. I, I did kick him off, but... <laughs> but I found he's that a serial, he's a serial pest and I screenshotted that too because as soon as I saw it I went this fella's he is crying out for help that to me when I read that message I'm like this bloke he needs a fucking hug hugged as a kid yeah he wasn't hugged yeah. as a kid I'm hearing you Maddie. <laughs> he was belted and wedgied by his family his whole life what came <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> David Kenny that's for you son so so Fuck. what got me was that it was one of those things where you post it up thinking it, it's not a big thing but I'll just put it at the end that if anybody's feeling a bit bad they want to reach out I'm there and and the whole community's there because that's what the community's like and I thought it was a pretty reasonable sort of a post, but there was so many positive comments. And what got me was the amount of people who inboxed me um, telling me their stories. And, you know, mate, there's a lot of people out there with with issues. And it's not, it, you know, when I looked it up with Timmy, and I wish Tim was still here, Timmy and I got on and, and had a look because we we're talking about what, what could actually be done to sort of improve things. And this fucking... Um, we, we figured out that suicide is actually the biggest preventable killer of... I don't think we figured it out. We just looked at a graph. The biggest preventable <laughs> killer of, uh, of men in Australia. So there you go. So I'm not saying I'm suicidal. I'm far from it. Um, but I have down days and sometimes I have a lot of anxiety. I have a few issues. And I just found that comment of David Knee, just if anyone wanted the name, David K-N-I-E. <laughs> I found that comment really revealing. And yeah, I'm with Matty. I just think someone needs a cuddle. So if you know him, just go out there, just give reach out. Give that, give, him, give, that, give him a cuddle. Give that fucking giant cabbage a cuddle. <laughs> go give him a wedgie. <laughs> <laughs> give him a It'd just be like when he was a kid. Fucking idiot. You know what else I thought was really telling about that post um, was the, the amount of guys that you know they're they're quite tough guys blacksmiths and knife makers you know they're the sort of guys they they like spending time in the bush and they like yeah they're into knives they're into that outdoors activity and they're the sort of blokes that maybe they're a bit more stoic and they don't open up as much and to see some of the names rolling through saying yeah fuck i've i've had a struggle or i've had times in my life where i definitely knew what that feels like um you know i think it shows that it's not it's not a weak person's thing it's a it's a really it's a, it's a difficult thing when you're in it, but it's great to acknowledge that there's people out there that are, that seem to be very strong that are still struggling, even though they look like they're not. Yeah, and fuck, man, yeah, I sure. tell you, you know, and for me, um, one of the guys that contacted me told me a story and it just got me thinking as to where it started for me as well and it was a similar sort of thing and it was just, if I look back, it's, um, it comes back to my... Uh, 
my father-in-law Vin when he committed suicide and I you know I don't think I'll ever sort of forgive myself for not stopping that I don't think I will but maybe I need to get some help with that so mm. you know I you know it is what it is I can't do anything about it but maybe I should have where'd Henning go he fucked right off he's, he's not gone. into this conversation gone <laughs> <laughs> he, was getting a, he was getting a bit teary yeah maybe just as, think, as quickly as he arrived think, he's gone I think Simeo just kicked him off but how good was that just Timmy time fucking Henning oh man that was gross I pulled that oh, off, didn't I? That was a shock to the system. Did you see him, though? Yeah, that Where, was are you? Where are you? Where are you? Yeah. It was, like, it was like someone had let him into an empty room, and he's like, where are my mates? Where are they? <laughs> it was funny as fuck. I didn't well, prep I, him. I've got a, I've got a um, friend who's a doctor and, um, like, crazy career of stuff in the medicine industry, you know, in terms of being a paramedic and rescue paramedic and all the rest of them and stuff. And I was talking to him about... You know, conversation said, Oh, yeah, I've had problems with the back. I'm just working on the stoic biking thing. And he sent me one line back, which made me have another think about things was even stoic people have plans. Yeah. So you can think you're as thick skinned as ever and, you know, you're as tough as nails and stuff, but you still got to have a little bit of a plan on board. But, badly. There we go. We anyway, back to the interview. Comments. Yeah, back to the interview. <laughs> where are um, we? See you heading, you bald bastard. He, so, I, I don't know where he went. I didn't kick him off. Just for I'm the record, sure heading, heading, if you're listening, you fucked off yourself. It had nothing to do with me. Yeah, no, we didn't boot you, buddy. <laughs> no, I will, we actually, like, we actually like... This is something Henning probably doesn't hear very often, but we like you, Henning. <laughs> we only tell him that when he's not here. <laughs> He'll pop in like oh, it's, it's it's Kevin's yeah. personal thoughts. It doesn't represent the values in yeah. the podcast. Those mine and not those of other people on not making it down on the podcast. The caveat hit blah blah blah. Um now we, we've got a little drinking game going that some of the listeners created. We haven't oh, really pushed it too much at the moment. And it generally is to do with us mentioning things like Blade Show. Mm. So someone out there is having a drink right now. Mm. But what what was your highlight of that being there? Like for anyone oh. that's looking to go, <laughs> so, hang on. What was the highlights that you're allowed to talk about because of... Uh, I was going to say... What happens the Blade Show stays at <laughs> There is a very... I know what the highlights were. <laughs> so, Blade Show... Um, it was sharing a room with me, the, wasn't it? Yeah. Not just you, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Corin. I, I would... My first bit of advice to anyone that wants to go to Blade Show is don't book a table on your first Blade Show. That's that's no. advice. That oh, I yeah, don't do that. And it was solid advice um, because I wasn't sober for the whole Blade Show weekend and being able to sleep in the next day on top of the jet lag and the hangover made a huge, huge difference. Um, I think you're not ever going to be prepared for the magnitude of Blade Show, like to get around everything. Keith told me this when he, when he was mm. going over there four, three or four years ago. He's like, mate, you 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 won't see every table. You'll go you can't. every day that you can go, and you won't see every table. No, mainly because um, you get there after lunch and fucking staying over still. <laughs> sorry, I'm not talking about me personally. <laughs> I'm talking about everybody. Um, the exhibition hall—it's huge. 
two it's of them. Giant. Yeah, well, the other one's littler. But the big <laughs> one, it's huge. The, bit, the, um, the little one's the size of Sydney Knife Show, and, and it's got. But you're right. Like, the, main, the main one, I think the main one was like 10 full size basketball courts or something. Uh, yes, fit into that totally. space. Like, it was fucking monstrous. Or maybe even more than that. It was. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, I will say it's a eight eight football fields, man. Not not a ten best. Yeah, so if, yeah, probably football it's fields more football so. Fields. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's monstrous. Um, I I think a lot of guys. So the other thing, the other piece of advice that I was given, or the other little caveat I was given was most of the most of the real blade show happens in the pit. <laughs> in the evenings um, around the bar. That's where all the wheeling and dealing is. That's where all the that's where all the, the beautiful knives sort of come out and they're traded and bought and sold. And that is a really cool, that's a bloody cool place to be. So going to Blade Show is not, I mean, going to the show is great, but all of the fraternity yeah. around what happens after hours, that's the gold. Um, that, it's funny because I remember coming out of the toilets, which after about 9 p.m. in the pit, <laughs> Even though the toilet's a hotel, they're not clean, so you just don't want to go in there. <laughs> but I remember coming out of the toilet and um, maybe Bubba Crouch yeah. was standing there. There's another guy. And then, like, Bubba saw me. He's like, come, kid, come over and have a look at this knife. And they lift up this, open up this case, and there's this knife in there. And it's fucking mosaic Damascus with gold inlay, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 15,000 US. Yeah. And I was just like... Two steps out of the shitter. It's oh, <laughs> got a $15,000 night. Is the oh, show man. broken up into areas so that specific interests have an area to concentrate? Yeah, it is. There's two rooms and they both specialise on knives. So Yeah, there's no, there's no <laughs> chaos. There's all chaos. There's no order at all. Uh, yeah. and that's what, it's very hard uh, to get around. Sprinkled with some of those flipper knife shit things like, you know, the kids yeah. with the... Yes, oh, it, yeah. The fidget spinners. <laughs> the balasons. The balasons. Yeah. The they fucking throw the knife in the air and land yes. on the people's fucking tables. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And they, I, you'd see them congregating in, like, in the public areas. There'd be a group of them. And it was like someone was about to have a breakdancing competition. There'd be one yeah. fellow in the middle and he's flicking his little balasons exactly around. Right. That's how it yeah, looked, and I think they were having jewels. Dope, dude. They were, and then they, they were doing. They, I'm pretty sure they yeah. were doing um, beatboxing with it beatboxing. as well. You're right. Yeah. It was very peculiar. The funny thing about um, it is, I don't know if you know Brian Nadu, right? He makes beautiful fucking uh, sharp by designs. His company, fucking beautiful flippers and machine stuff. And I'm standing outside, and all the emos around doing this thing, right? <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> and Brian walks past me and goes. In America, we call them wankers. Get walking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do we, mate. So do we. Cheers, man. Thanks. Thanks. I was wondering. It's funny. It's funny. Like, you're talking about over there with, um, like, the time difference and hangovers and stuff. And even regardless of the fact that Australians probably do drink a little bit more than most of the US guys, especially in strength of the beers and whatnot, mm. we hit our peak there because that time zone difference yes. <laughs> when we start drinking at eight o'clock at night it's like yep. eleven o'clock in the morning back at home 
and we're like, woo, day drinking. Let's rock on. <laughs> so at, right. four o'clock in, at four o'clock in the morning when the hotel's flicking their lights on and off to get the Australians to go to bed, that's quite funny. <laughs> it's um, it's a fair old party. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. I, I really am, except, oh, of course, if there's any Americans left, yeah. If it's the, the problem with it is at the moment, obviously with this bloody flu shit and everything going on, is they're suggesting that we're not going to have international travel until after Blade Show next yeah. year. And that's like, shit. Yeah, that's fucked up. And then even I think it's going to be prohibitively expensive to fly for a couple of years because Qantas have to make all the money the CEOs earning back. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, can't got to eat. I just Come to on, can't got to eat. I had to cancel my 2021 <laughs> table. Oh. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. We're so, Matt, let's get back to talking about some shit in Australia that's mm. not related to Blade Show. Drink up, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Not you, Matt. The other Matt. <laughs> Matt Snape. <laughs> I haven't been holding back. Um, and, uh, and Owen. <laughs> Drink up, boys. Um, inside of Everly Works, mm. what, I, kinda, I think I know the answer to this. Maybe I don't. But what's your favourite piece of equipment that you get to use with inside? You know what? I reckon, works. I reckon it's not what you think because, yes, the 700-weight massive power hammer is a magnificent beast. Um, Corin used it to great effect on the weekend where we'd – so oh, I'll tell the story. No, I hope I don't embarrass you, mate. No, that's we're, all right. That's all right. I, I, I put my foot down so like it was – We're going to press so, Corin about this but you might as well tell the story because we'll get the truth in well Delhi. i'll tell i'll tell this story and he can tell a bunch of the other stories but don't give him a chance to say no the two of us had had this corin had organized this big billet it was about what is it four inches round or something it was a fair, it was fair, a fair size, size. Anyway, yeah. Huge. yeah big piece of cable um and so we'd had it soaking in there and it was getting up to temp and everything was good we pulled it out and we had the we had found these beautiful tapered swages that were just the right size and we thought this is going to be great for anyone that doesn't know what a swage is it's it can come in various shapes but basically it's a top and a bottom tool that when they come together they form a profile so in this case it was a round swage but it was tapered from about 65 mil down to about 40 mil whatever it was which was perfect because this stuff was about 60 mil round so we've pulled this swage off off the the rack and corin's wielding the swage and i've come out with the block and We've kind of gingerly fed it in because with this cable, you need to spin it the right direction so that it doesn't unwind on itself and you don't want to flog it because it'll just fray like a, a loose rope. Um, so we've tickled it down and we've consolidated and we've done everything we can and, and it looks it's come out of this beautiful 40 mil round bar and it looks beautiful. So I've chucked it back in the fire and gone, all right, mate, your turn. Uh, we'll trade places. You're... you're driving now you know you're you're gonna operate the hammer yeah so he comes in and I, I like you use this machine every day so you just get really acquainted <laughs> with it and i wasn't even watching what corin did next but i knew what was about to happen because the hammer takes a breath so when it's about to give a big hit the front <laughs> cylinder because the ram's coming up you get the rear cylinder sucking down this great big intake of air and you know what's going to happen next. It's going to thrust it into the front cylinder and drive that fucking thing through the floor. Corin has jumped on it like it's his little nine kilo and he's gone <laughs> right. To, he's jumped on the treadle like it's no one's business and this thing, I've just heard it 
big intake and I knew, fuck, this oh, is no. a big bang. And then I turn around and this thing's about 12 mil thick. And I looked over and I was like, it's got to have ruined it. It's and got I, to. I've gone, I've gone, but yeah, it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, we've spent so much time being gentle and tender and you've just flattened this fucking thing. But it lived. Um, but it lived. It, yeah, it, the weld was good. It, there was a couple little D-lambs, but it, was, it came but, out really but nice. But actually, think- in the middle, there's no D-lambs. The D-lambs are all no, at the ends. beautiful. And so I'll show you. I just put up a picture of one of the ends, um, which is uh, the one that you left in the acid overnight. Mm. But you'll see, you'll see there clearly where the D-lambs are. But the further yeah. you go into the billet, the less there are. So, you, yeah, and I just yeah. haven't chopped into That's it yet. Awesome. Let's just uh, do a bit of these ones like that. So what's really interesting here is the shape of the cable because the cables in the second and top layer, they're not square. They were this weird no. figure eight shape. And you can actually see it. If you mm. zoom in on that picture, you'll see the, those unreal. cables. And the other ones, it, just, it was just cool. It was just a cool piece of yeah. shit, really. Anyway, Some serious go. engineering, hey? Yeah, yeah, that no, was cool. Some serious bit of engineering went into it, but yeah, I was so that was that was on the Saturday. That was a that was a really fun day. <laughs> yeah, and then we went out. To, we went and had Brazilians, and I'm not talking about the waxing kind yeah. either. We had Brazilian. <laughs> we had Brazilian food, and they come Mate, out. Yeah, they come out chicken with chicken hearts on the stick or something. Yeah, it was, it was. we did. We had chicken hearts. Yeah. We had beef. We had all the food groups. <clears throat> we had like fish. I had and- the meat sweats. And I don't know how you fitted as much as you did, and you just didn't say no to anything. Mate. I left there feeling like I was going to pass out from the meat sweats, and you just kept saying yes. It's I don't like, know where it all went. You're, you're fucking, you're 64, and you're like 65 kilos, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep, I got That's what he's that's when he's wet and wearing pants. Oh, fucking hell. That's what they do. It, that's what they do to <laughs> us at, again at Blade Show. The Texans take us out for steaks, and they buy these steaks yeah. that barely fit on the plate. And then you got to eat yeah. the whole thing. And I, I think I thought, oh, this would be rude if I don't eat the whole thing because you know it costs like a lot of money. And I've yeah. just like chowed in, eating it all. And he's just like, oh, this is too much food. I can't eat it. He's left half it on the plate, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I would have had that. Didn't know that was an option. Yeah. But anyway, it's all good. Anyway. Oh, that's genius. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, but so, but to answer your question, so the 7 is great, but I do, because that's the go-to hammer, like James and I were on it today. I'll, I'll put a little video up later. Anyone that's, I'm going to do a little bit of whoring. Jump on the Instagrams tomorrow because I'll have a bunch of new videos of, we're doing some tenoning. So anyone that doesn't know what that is, we're building a, um, a ladder for, you know, like the old ladders they put in libraries that have got wheels and shit and you oh, swing yeah. them around? So yeah. it's like a cellar ladder or pantry ladder or whatever you want to call it. So we're building one of those for a client. And um, so to make the rungs, the vertical rungs, we've got a piece of 20 mil bar, profiled it down, upset the ends. That was another beautiful face, Mert. Upset the ends. <laughs> and, um, and we set up a – or James set up a, a tool in the fly press where you – Basically, it pinches in with a really sharp angle. It's flat on one side and then an aggressive angle butcher. on the other. And what that it's does, a butcher. butcher, exactly an offset butchered tool. Yeah. Um, so it's top and bottom, and they meet in the middle. And we use a fly press to do it, but it, it allows you to cut in really sharply on these these edges and draw out a spigot or draw out a thin bit of bar at the end of your thick bit of bar. 
that then goes through your vertical uprights and you can rivet it back on itself. It's just a bit of traditional joinery. A thick bit of bar that goes through vertical uprights. That's right. So the vertical uprights are the ladder and then you've got the rungs. I was thinking along different lines. Keep going. (laughs) Get your mind out of the gutter, friend. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so you'll see that on the Instagram tomorrow. So I'm just, I'm giving a bit of a whoring, whorish plug for the Instagram. It's something good to check out. But weird little things like that, they're the things that I get really excited about. Like, you know, fly presses, unless you're someone like Jason Ellard or those sort of guys that live and die by the fly press, they're the sort of tool that I don't use that often. So when I see them used in new and interesting ways, I'm like, fuck, that's, you know, that's really something. And it, the same goes for machines. Um, so I just spent, well, James and I both spent a good couple of days cutting threads on this big Landis thread cutting machine. It's made in Cincinnati in the States. Um, that's where the company was. And it's just this thing, it's dual head. They're rotating it. Uh, we're cutting at 38 revs per minute, but it goes all the way up to about 200 revs per minute. But you can feed in bolts that you've forged, rough forged, you haven't ground the scale off, none of that bullshit. And it, the, there's these four tangential dies that meet at 90 degrees in, in every 90 degree quadrant and they just rip the scale off it. So you feed these, eye, we were making eye bolts in this case, but you don't, there's no prep, there's no bullshit. You just put a little bit of a chamfer on the front edge. A little bit of lube. Drive it in. A little bit of lube. A little bit of lube. A lot of good quality lube, in actually. fact. Um, <laughs> uh, actually. Um, <laughs> shout out to my friends at Lube Alloy, that, uh, based down in Queanbeyan. <laughs> they, they fixed me up with some fucking you lovely buy, you lube. You buy them by a ton? I buy it by the 20 litre drum, yes. Um, Where are they in Queanbeyan? Yeah, they're in Queanbeyan, but their mixing site is out in Harden. I don't know where they are in Queanbeyan, I'm oh, sorry. okay. Lube oh, alloy, great great lubricants. Yeah. Anyway, that's by the by. Um, so it took me maybe an hour to set this machine up perfectly. You know, you've got to get all the dies the right distance and you've got to make sure that they're cutting in the right sequence and everything's got to be right. So the satisfaction of going through that process and then watching these dies just run through one after the other in an automated process, that is that really tickles me now. So it's it's being able to get the, the machines that I don't use that often and really just kind of spend some time um, in them. That's what I really like. That's kind of cool. Having access to those machines like that would be oh, yeah. pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, totally. Nice having access, but knowing, knowing how to dial them in, set them up and get them working properly would be the fucking really cool thing. And because they're they're fairly old, so there's like there's no one to ask. That's the thing. Like they're, you know, Daryl again, my, my good mate Daryl Milton mm. down at um, Yass Valley Steamforge. He's got one that he bought from Phil Johnson, the uh, dear friend of ours that passed a couple of years back, nearly two and a bit years back. But he has one, and and I was down there using his a couple of months ago. But outside of him, it's just reading manuals. There's nothing on YouTube. It's one of those things like blacksmithing. Fuck. There's shit about blacksmithing all over YouTube nowadays, but you Google um, Landis cutting dies or Landis machine, and there's nothing out there because they're just they're rare machines, and no one runs them anymore because of the CNC industry. So, yeah, being able to, I, I guess it's just time, and I feel really great about that. That's one of the one of the things that I love about blacksmithing is keeping that legacy alive, but it extends out into these weird little areas where there'll be. In 50 years' time, there might only be a handful of guys that have ever run a Landis machine, and I'll, I'll be able to help them out. I, I really I value that as a commodity. I really appreciate the fact that I've spent the time on that machine, and now I know it well enough that 
you know, if, if anyone needs a hand with it. I've If anyone's fucked it up, I've fucked it up before them. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's all. That's what learning's about, though, isn't it? <laughs> yep. It make every mistake. Like that's you know we we had issues with lube. The cuts weren't the cuts were welding, and I was shearing stuff. Like it it just takes time to you're going take too the problem. Fast to sudden, weren't you? <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> too what fast, not enough lube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got it, mate. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's what that's the they're the sort of weird things that I love in the workshop. Yeah, yeah no, that's things awesome. you like in the workshop. <laughs> <laughs> You're off your chops, Who, not, Have you had, um, I guess just out of curiosity, have you had any sort of celebrity visitors to the to the workshop? I feel like this is a loaded question, Kev, but I'm really glad for you to ask it. Um, <laughs> it's not loaded fries, mate. Come on. <laughs> um, definitely... Probably my favourite visitor to the workshop came in about um, 18 months ago. We had Lana Del Rey come in and shoot a, a music video or a short music clip in there for her, what was the new album at the time, Norman fucking Rockwell. And I might, I just fell in love a little bit, you know? I, <laughs> you fell in love, did you? And I had, do you know how much hate I got over that actually? Because the next day when I put a photo of her and I up on Facebook, it was the first selfie I'd ever taken. And I thought, this is a worthy, like I, I'm, never, I'm not real big on social media. I, I sort of do what I do for the business because like I, I, I generally like sharing the shit that I'm doing, but it's I hopefully not in a real contrived way. I'm not the sort of person that likes to sit down every other day and just make a post for the sake of making a post. Um, we and so I'd never... That. And t- thank you. <laughs> and so I'd never taken a selfie. And then, you know, having Lana Del Rey in the shop, I thought this is a worthy reason to take a selfie. So here I am and I had this dirty, great big beard because we were working at the time. I remember we had um, a great Italian blacksmith and his son, Roberto and Nico Giordani had come in and they were, oh, yeah. we were building the, the shark sculpture that we did two or, two mm-hmm. or so years ago. And um, so we'd started at like seven o'clock in the morning and we'd been doing long days back to back just to get this monstrous shark built. It was like four meters tall. And um, these two guys had no business in a blacksmith shop, were knocking on the door. You know, you, they were suits. You could see it a mile away. They, they weren't there out of the curiosity of the trade. And I was like, oh, fuck. I don't really have time to deal with suits right hey, now. Hold up with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly how I felt, right? Um, they were completely out of place in this setting. and But they persisted, like they just hovered around the door waiting for someone to come and find them. So I went, I walked over and I said, look, what are you doing? What are you doing? And at the same time, I kind of glanced down and I could say they had they had AAA all access, access all area passes for Lana Del Rey around their neck. And they were real cagey. They just, they said, look, we've got a talent, talent in town and she's looking to shoot some content what would it cost us to come in here tonight because she's only in town tonight and then she's flying to Brisbane. And they did, wouldn't tell me who it was, but, I mean, Stevie Wonder could see that they had the Lana Del Rey passes on, so I'm like, it's got to be her. Um, so we, we bartered on a price and, as I said, I'd started at seven that morning, so I really didn't want to stay back that late and she didn't end up getting there till 11 p.m. Um, but the next, so she, stayed, she was there from, it was 11, <laughs> it was 11 until 2 a.m. that she was there for that three-hour stretch. What, what was the song? Dances. What was the song she recorded? Um, Happiness is a Butterfly. Hit me on the grinders. 
Happiness is a butterfly. One of my favorite songs off that album, mind you. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, real bare bones crew. There was a couple of security guys, a couple of backup dancers, her and a couple of camera crew, like real bare bones. And um, because of that, it was really cool because in, when the camera guys were setting up the next shoot or whatever they were doing, there was actually some time to, to have a yarn and just, you know, she talked, we talked about blacksmithing, we talked about what we were building and she talked about her tour and what she was up to and like it was, you know, a bit more of a connection than just that, that flippant kind of, anyway, whatever. So... Uh, that was that was a pretty cool guest to have. But like I said, I copped a lot of shit over it because the next day when I put the photos up of her and I, and I looked like I was, I looked like I'd been drugged through the ringer because we'd been forging all day. I had a big beard on. I looked like a real shithead. The photos again on my Instagram if you want to go and have a look. But <clears throat> everyone's chimed in. Thanks for the invite, dickhead. Oh, Lana Del Rey was at the shop. Thanks for letting me know, dickhead. And I'm like, what did you want me to do? Like, I can't just have 50 blacksmiths show up to gawk at this beautiful pop star. Like, oh. what was I, I going to do in the moment? Share the wealth, Funny. son. Share the wealth. You let everyone down. We're going to just, you can try and justify it all you like, but, you know, I didn't and even I will. Look, I've got to say, I didn't even know who she was until just now. And I'm just trying to find uh, the music video of which you speak, and I can't. So it's, it's just saddening me all over. So. Matt, Matt, honestly, when they said, when they walked up to the door and said, we've got a, we've got a star in town and we've only got a few hours, Matt was sitting there puffing his chest out going, oh, so my <laughs> reputation has got out there. <laughs> oh, mate. It, look, it got on a... enough, four hours will cut it. Maybe we'll need five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. It was a, it was a pretty great time. I, I think back to that time when you had that dirty fucking beard. You looked like a fucking feral. You looked like an uh, 1880s fucking gold miner that hadn't showered for fucking three years. I felt Still like that too. Still baked beans on your top every night. But, yeah, that's funny. There you go. I was thinking, like, that, in that, hindsight. That, was not a loaded, that, that wasn't a loaded question, by the way, because I had completely forgot about that um, occurrence with that lady. Well, look, and Very good. you know, more industry related. We've we've been really lucky to have some incredibly gifted smiths and knife makers come in. You know, there's uh, when Kyle was here. You know, he dropped in with his brother, and they <coughs> shot some shot some funny content. You know, with Bill did a class there. Bill Burke, mate of all of ours, did a class there. Um, oh, I'd be nearly two years ago, I guess. Um, like Roberto came out and built this beautiful sculpture. We, uh, we've been very lucky to share the space with some. Oh, Alex Steele came out uh, nearly four, yep. about four years ago. Yep. Well, um, we've had one of the guests on here, um, Michael Cthulhu. Yes, Michael was in there. It's that, that, that fucking sword class. That fucking sword <laughs> class of Michael Cthulhu. So that was chaos incarnate. We spent, I think it was three days. There was two classes and they were like two or three days each. I can't remember. But everyone had these mad ideas for these fucking giant axes and swords they were going to build. Like the sausage man built this big double-sided axe that I saw him wielding the other day. Yeah, um, yeah he's this, using it. That yeah. was absolute chaos, that's, that thing. And at the end of it, we went out to the annex and smashed up pallets and everyone had to go wrecking, this tim wrecking a timber pallet each. And I reckon some of these swords might have been like 30 kilos a piece. They were monsters. Um, yeah. 
My favourite, absolute. Chaos. My favourite thing about that whole thing. My favourite thing was Michael Cthulhu talking about the tin snips. Everything else has gone into oblivion. <laughs> Do you guys remember that? Tell the story. Go. You, on. you almost cut his balls off with the tin snips. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So he's got. He's leaning on the tin snips, cutting stuff like two mil thick steel. He can't get it to cut. He's leant right over it with all his weight. Had his nuts in between the handles <laughs> when it let go. Had slept. That's crush nuts. I still fucking. That's all I remember. I just can't. Nutcracker. Couldn't get that out of my head. Oh mate. So need need to do a little bit of a shout out behind the scenes on all of that. Uh, Michael Cthulhu stuff as well to Riley Burns because I think he put yeah. a fair amount oh, of work in behind the yeah. scenes. And Andrew, yeah, and Andrew. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and yeah, a little bit. A little bit is an understatement. That's that's playing it down a lot. But yeah. man, that was just a really, really cool thing. And that he was quite a humble fella. And when he had when we had him on the he podcast, was, yeah. fuck, he was he, he's funny. He's it's very, just, very funny. He switched on, and if nothing else, as I've always said, it's it's probably just the Irish accent. I've I've talked to Irish people in a serious conversation. I just want to laugh at them and play yeah. at them. It's just it's very hard. <laughs> yeah. So we've no, had a couple of people and we've got we've got Brad Stone's comment up on the um, thing now saying just just would like to go to the symposium, never been keen as mustard. Um, yeah. with with the changes at Everly, obviously being the Knife Art Association, a couple of us on board here. Um, how's Everly looking as a potential um, venue in the future, mate. Look, we'd love to have it back. It's very different. So Thawa obviously being the, the venue for the last couple, it's completely different vibe. And I know people love the camping and I can, I, I resonate that as well. You know, I, I missed the last symposium because we had, I can't remember there was something else on that weekend, but it was, um, it is really lovely to get together and sort of have a, have a fire and, and, and camp out. Everly's not like that. You know, we're in the centre of Sydney. It's it's Redfern. We're right next to the train station. Public transport's great, but a lot of the guys are coming from out of town, so they've got cars and stuff like that. Um, but the good thing about it is, so outside of the shop, we've obviously got, you know, there's a monstrous amount of room. Oh, there's the shark that we built when Lana Del Rey was in town. Um, the, the shop, the shop's a... It's huge and there's not enough, you know, there's, there's not a lot of worry for space there. But the other good thing is um, they're cutting back on some of the office space and giving back some community areas at South Everly at the moment. So that's part of the development. Oh, yeah, so, awesome. So we'll be able to, there'll be sort of classrooms and, and opportunities for learning areas that are not on the shop floor so they can be a bit quieter, a bit removed from the live demos. Um, yeah. So that's a big change probably from what we had last time. I know last time, you know, most of the stuff happened on the shop floor and you're competing for, for attention there. But, yeah, the, the new development will bring all of these new areas online that are community spaces and they're kind of – they're pivoting around that heritage interpretation and, you know, being able to, to do some learning in there. So, yeah, I, I, I think that we can definitely – I think what I'd love to see, and this is something a lot of guys have talked about in the past, but I think where Everly would really come to a strength is when we get to a position where we can run symposiums that are a bit uh, that are a bit more hands-on. You know, we've got a lot of facilities and a lot of equipment 
um, whereas a lot of guys don't for that kind of thing. And if, if we were running a symposium with a smaller number of people but it had a hands-on um, a facet to it, that would be where we'd come into our own because we've, yeah, oh, shit, and, and the whole I, there thing, might be 20 animals the there. The whole thing with the, the way symposiums are run and where they're run is just that evolution. Mm. And, you know, yeah. look, Sebtar was a great location. We can fit a lot of people. Yeah, They've got a number of rooms available for people to go in. Yep. Well, the feed, some of the feedback we get is, you know, why, why not elsewhere? So not just yourself. Mm. We're looking Queensland, Victoria. Uh, I think Adam Parker's potential sort of workshop build down there could yeah. be a future venue for it. But I think, again, in terms of not even COVID-related, but it was something that we talked about uh, through the Knife Art Association was the hammer-ins over in America are smaller groups of people mm. with mm. a lot more content and a lot more sort of that personal um, yeah. vibe. So, um, yeah, no, that's good. I just sort of – that was just one of my – piqued my curiosity things with your development and what they were doing with it. Because, Kyron, you were pretty vocal on that Save Everly um, group that went up ages ago when – the, the development was coming into play with that or potential development, potential loss of the workshops and stuff. So it'd be really nice to get back into that. And, you know, camping camping's really cool and all that sort of stuff, but I've got to admit um, that 750-metre walk around the corner of that pretty awesome <laughs> pub, that's yeah. also pretty inviting too. <laughs> and uh, the area around that is actually turning, you know, it's, it's coming a lot nicer. Yeah, um, there's a lot, lot of, lot of potential sort of places around to hire, you know, a room off Airbnb or whatever. But no, that's yep. good. Yeah, no, we, we'd love that. And I think, <clears throat> like you said, like I know you went to was it Rick Dunkley's place? You went, you went up to, and they, I yeah. know they did a, yep. a, a folder course, and they, you know, getting well, half that, a dozen. Yeah, that was a dozen just people. that was just a group of us. That was yeah. actually a little impromptu thing when we did that course with Rick. Was it? But then that tacked on to having the hammer in at his place, um, which was just unreal. What was there a dozen about, I think there was a dozen presenters, um, which I don't think any were less than a master Smith. No. Yeah. And then you had um, Veronique and um, co over there as well. Cause they came up after blade show mm. and it was just mind boggling. And out of that, yeah. I think we had 30 or 40, 30 or 40 people. And it, and it works. And I've seen similar with um, Neil's over in South Africa with the way that they run their stuff. They have 40 people in there with the big um, screen and they'll have a demonstration on there. So you've got everyone in that yeah. one demo. And I don't think anyone sits there and goes, oh, I wish I was around the corner, you know, listening to fucking Kev talk or, or whatever or Corin talk. They're all engaged in that one thing. And, yeah. On the one thing. Food for thought. Yeah, food for thought in terms of what we can run in the future because you know shit hits the fan now government don't get their shit together and they keep putting these restrictions on us we're going to be looking at ways of dealing with smaller numbers in yeah. so and i think you know being that that's the bit that i think is is lacking at the moment and that's the sort of stuff that i love to do is that the hands-on stuff if hmm. if we could run smaller groups and maybe not conflicting groups you know instead of trying to have a couple of different presenters at a time just, you know, you could pretty comfortably yeah. have 20 guys at Everly all swinging a hammer at the same time, all following the same instruction. <laughs> and you could have, yeah. 
like, and that's where the the Americans are so lucky because they're they're spoilt for talent over there. There's a lot of there is that. There's a ton of mastersmiths, yeah. but most of them probably live there. You know, you can have ten mastersmiths in the same room, um, whereas we don't get that here. But I think it would be really lovely to be able to get that sort of thing happening, um, and we've got the space for it. So I reckon we should. Yeah. I reckon we can. Yeah, I reckon yeah. we can. Not only should, I reckon we can too. Kaa, uh, Kaa's uh, AGMs this weekend. Just saying. Yeah. There'll be stuff being talked about, I know that much. Yep. Yeah. Very good. So we've gone for an hour and 45. Um, <laughs> and that's it, time's gone well, man. Like that's it just flies like, really by, doesn't it? It, it does. does. It's, yeah. it's interesting shit. You, it's interesting. We know about you and we've been around you for a long time. And I still find what you say interesting about the way things run. <laughs> and yet we've got all our listeners. Some of them might not have even ever heard of you before tonight. Yeah. Uh, now they know that you're like the human crack. Um, <laughs> but what you get up to at Everly as well, and, and yeah. man, yeah, like it's fucking awesome. It's an awesome thing. So I got some. Yeah, thanks, Kev. I got some public service announcements. Um, one is uh, next week is a special interview again. We've got. Uh, We've got a big interview lined up for next week. I won't let too much out of the bag there. But the big one that's out of the bag is that um, Sean McIntyre is uh, is coming on in on the 15th of October to do a presentation on joining the Guild. So he'll be taking the screen and giving his presentation for for an hour and a half or so. You'll be able to ask him questions. He's a master smith and a really great guy. Very cool. Um, ask serious questions. Don't, don't ask dickhead questions. <laughs> yeah. Serious question. Be Dick serious. Dickhead will be um, eliminated yeah. from the fucking yeah, proceedings. So, good guy. Yeah. Um, Make a comment about the height, you fucking bend. <laughs> no cabbages. No one <laughs> no one's gonna know on this medium and now that you've just told them. Yeah. And fair um, warning fair warning maps, mate. Uh, after <laughs> that oh yeah, we've got some we've got a big one lined up where we're getting a big industry supporter company coming on so that's um oh yeah yeah so i've been working on that so too much out of the bag with that one but just stay tuned if you if you like the podcast uh we've got some good information ones coming up so yeah and and matt thank you very much as 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 always mate i wasn't asleep there someone who said that i was actually (laughs) chopping up a little pencil into pieces on my keyboard um which seemed like it did seem did seem like a good idea at the time, but actually, it's 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 in my keyboard. Anyway, as just featuring conductive. Uh, yes. So that's the reason. As a as a stupid thing to end on, the reason that they invented the pen to go into space, that vacuum control pen, is if you use a pencil, you get graphite in your fucking electronics, and it shorts everything out, and it's bad news. So don't take uh, pencils into outer space. But the Russians just used a pencil. Yeah, but the pencils. Short-circuited all their electronics, and they, they don't lost a care. lot of cosmonauts. They don't care. Cosmonauts are dime a dozen. Everybody wants to be a cosmonaut. You just get another one. <laughs> anyway, right, that's what happened. You just, you just get a new one. Yeah, that's <laughs> what NASA Russia, stands for, Russia. isn't it? Need another seven astronauts. Anyway. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, after Challenger in Columbia, well done. <laughs> I didn't make that up. That just when we were kids, that seemed really no. funny. But yeah, you know, as you get older, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, that would have been during Columbia too. <laughs> it was the first one that went off with the teacher. The, the late, yeah, that one. Uh, Challenger. Yeah. On the way. Yeah, up. she learned a lesson, didn't she? 
Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> You're on your own there, son. All right. Anyway, we're, hit, yeah, we're hitting the mark, so I'm going to go to bed. You guys have yeah. a good one. I'm going to go to bed, and um, I'll see you later. Good night, sweetheart. Love to talk to you, blokes. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> good to have you, man. Keep going, Thank Myrtle. You, good to see you, bud. Sing us out, Mert. Come on, Mert. Happy birthday, birthday to, birthday to you. you. Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday, birthday, birthday to you. Now, Matt, stand up and give him the Ooh. present. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you put pants on. <laughs> All right, boys. Have a good one. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.